Uh, here we go. Reporting from Minneapolis, Minnesota. And I'm with a, a good friend of mine, friend from high school, a dude, a young dude that is skyrocketing right now with success. And he's in the insurance industry. Actually just started his own brokerage now at what? What are you, 24? 23. 23. Turned 23, 23 in July, baby. But my man right here, Joey Rosenstiel, we've had good times. He just smoked cigars back in the day off his porch. And <laughs> and uh, we have a good relationship. And I haven't seen him for a minute, but I heard through uh, the grapevine he's doing really well. And I wanted to have him on to speak not only about a little insurance, because it affects everyone, but how he sells, his entrepreneurship spirit, um, and his story. His story is wicked. It's, it's filled with a lot of adversity, and and uh, I'm excited to, you know, get him on to be an inspiration and, and to learn from, you know, what he's done and what he's going to be doing. So, hey, Joey Rosenstiel, how are you doing, man? I'm good, man. How are you? Feeling good. It's good before, to be back home. Before we get into all this stuff, I got to just let the people know, the first time I ever met Sir Nick Rooney, this kid comes stumbling in sophomore year of high school. Junior. Junior year of high school, wearing his freaking baggy sweatpants, baggy sweatshirt, sits down next to me, and usually there's a little bit of a, you know, when you meet a new kid for the first time, it's a little awkward, you know, I don't know, it's just not casual. He looked over at me like we were best friends or something, and he's just like, what's up, bro, can I use your phone? I gotta call my dad. I was like, who the heck is this clown? <laughs> so... Been buddies ever since. Was that Spanish class? Spanish class. Good old Uno Dos Trace. That's all I remember. <laughs> Cheated the whole time. Yep. But uh, Joey, uh, let's shoot the people kind of a quick background. Who are you? Uh, who am I? I am uh, a 23-year-old dude. Grew up in Minnetonka. Uh, born in Chicago. Moved to Minnesota when I was two. So pretty much, you know, been in Minnesota my whole life. But, uh, you know, I'm uh, a faith and business driven dude like yourself uh you know and uh, you were a golfer you were a really good golfer yeah i golfed uh starting probably fourth fifth grade i, I went and debated playing college golf but decided not to just because i knew i wasn't good enough to go pro or anything like that but yeah i love golf um i play over at hazeltine and chaska now um i used to caddy there growing up prime networking prime yes Key to networking, join a golf club. <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, no, it's a good spot. But uh, but yeah, so I love golf, love sports in general, but uh, but yeah. Yeah, so you went to college for six months. Let's just get right into this thing. You went, <laughs> you know, normally everyone, hey, go to college and you'll be successful, but that wasn't your path. So let's, let's speak on that. Yeah, so I mean, um, you know, for me... I had some things happen which we can kind of we'll come back to you but I kind of grew up really quickly uh starting my senior year of high school um and so by the time college rolled around you know all my buddies were getting ready to go to the U of M or Madison or Arizona to go party or do this you know all that stuff and for me you know I was just like any of you guys I loved hanging out I loved you know having a good time and and whatnot, but, you know, the whole college scene and living in dorms with people and everything else, I was just like, man, that sounds freaking awful. <laughs> so I tried it out for six months. I went out to uh, to Cal State, um, the Cal State Long Beach area uh, with my good friend Andy, um, you know, and I, I did just community school out there for six months, and uh, it was 
it was fine, but I, I got an internship with an insurance company uh, by the name of Lockton. Um, and after you know three months, they said, "Hey, you're doing okay. Uh, would you like a full-time job?" And I said, "Well, the point of going to school, I think, for anyone is probably to get a job with a big company like Lockton or to put something on your resume." So I took the opportunity and never looked back. Yeah, and you weren't just it wasn't lucky because you were killing the sales. You were you know dominating that. Can you explain kind of? you know, that process that those first three months and how you went about, I mean, did you know much about insurance or are you just a go-getter? I didn't know anything about insurance, but I knew how to talk to people. Um, and I think in business, it's, you know, a lot of times, especially when you're first starting out, it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And so, you know, just kind of using my network and, uh, uh, you know, kind of relying on books like Robert Kiyosaki and Rich Dad, you know, Poor Dad. Rich Dad, Poor Dad. Uh, you know, you kind of just put two and two together and away you go. So at the end of three months, they look at, you know, who are they going to keep? The guy who can sell the crap out of insurance or the guy who makes half the sales but has a piece of paper that says Stanford on it? No, 100%. It's the real yeah. world. And, so. and um, let's get into that selling. How do you sell? Because you've been very good and we'll hit on it later on. Um, I mean, you just opened up your own insurance brokerage at 23. So obviously you got to be good at selling. <laughs> so let's talk about kind of that beginning process of selling and, and what you learned and, and, you know, how you go about selling. Yeah, I mean, um, kind of my favorite line is people don't care about how much you know until they know how much you care. Um, you know, so my key to kind of selling is first give people what they want. Um, you know, whether it's helping them grow their business. You know, I'm always trying to connect people. You know, the first question I ask is, you know, tell me about yourself, tell me about what you do, how can I help your business grow? You know, by the time we get to stuff that would kind of help, you know, that would help me or what I sell, you know, it's always about them. It's always about seeing how I can help them. Because um, that's, at the end of the day, that brings me joy, seeing other people, you know, have success. Um, but we both know, you know, if you help people get what they want, they're going to help you get what you want. You yep. know, so... Um, I think the people who come in and try to give someone a hard sell, especially in today's day and age, that model, I don't, I personally believe doesn't work anymore. You know, and I just, and even if it does, it ain't going to work in the future. Yeah, you're going to lose that relationship. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, people can snuff out the guys who are coming in for a quick sell and they're never going to hear from them again. So every person I meet, I approach, you know, like I'm trying to have a friendship for the next 40, 50 years, which is what I'm trying to do, you know? So, uh, my approach is just help people help people get what they want and in return I'll get what I want no 100% so relationships that's the big piece the key relationships yeah connecting with people and now so how are you with insurance helping their business you know what what uh I mean we all we're starting to deal with insurance you know people our age yeah. and obviously older you got to buy plans and all that but yeah know. so I mean there's two pieces in insurance that if you're a business owner that I can help you right I mean first of all the easy the easy thing to say would be cost, right? Everyone wants to save. Everyone wants yeah. to save money, especially when you're launching a business or even if you have a really productive business that's been around for 30 years. Um, you know, if you walk into somebody and say, "I can take 40 grand a year off your costs," people's ears are gonna per are gonna perk up. You know, so I mean, the easy answer would be, "Okay, I'm an independent broker." You know, when's the last time you shopped your insurance rates? You know, is your agent really calling you every six months saying, hey, I'm going to reshop this for you? I doubt it because people get lazy. So when's the last time you actually shopped your rate? Oh, by the way, I'm independent and I can carry 128 brokers. I can shop your policy to absolutely anyone and everyone and find you savings. So that's the first thing. You know, it's 
savings is easy um, for a selling point. But second of all, I mean, insurance, pe- insurance is the last thing people care about or think about, right? I mean, it's always the bottom of the list until you're screwed. Until you're screwed. Until, <laughs> until one of their employees slips and falls and breaks their back and starts suing your company for two million bucks. Then you better hope you have pretty damn good insurance, you know? So um, the other thing is just quality coverage, making sure somebody checks out their policy because there's a lot of people who aren't very, you know, who are just going in for the quick sale. They're not going for what's in the best interest of my customer. So they're writing these policies that are skinny down because they're trying to win on price. You know, so when they're trying to win on price, they're shaving things out of policies and, oh, hey, did you know that you don't have cyber coverage? Do you know that if somebody tapped into your email accounts tomorrow and wired 60 grand out of your bank account that there's nothing you can do about it? Your bank's not going to cover it and your insurance won't cover it? Did you know that for $45 a year, you can add that? Because I had a customer last week who lost 80 grand and they'll never see that money again. Really? Wow. Someone's like, what? You know, okay, well, why wouldn't my agent put that on there? <laughs> I don't know. You know, I, I can't tell you because it takes an extra two hours of my time to go find a company that will put that on your policy. That's why, you know, so at the end of the day, there's two things I can provide. Yes, price, you know, there's no doubt I'm, I'm able to do that because there's a lot of agents out there who are captive agents, which means that they work for one company. When I'm at State Farm, I can represent one company. When I'm a broker, I can represent every company. So I can shop, I can compare, I can use underwriters from one company and, and, and work them against the other company and say, hey, I need you to get down to this price. You know, so I can work the system, um, you know, so price for sure, but it's really quality of coverage. You know, you want to make sure that you're doing what's best for the business because, you know, if you add 50 bucks a month or 100 bucks a month or 2,000 bucks a month onto a policy, um, it's all going to be worth it at the end of the day when that one situation comes up. Hits you know? Yeah, exactly. So, 100%. That was good. Um, so you now you're an independent uh, broker, right? You weren't before, though. You were working for State Farm, yep. uh, Lockhart, all that. Let's kind of go through that process, how you shot up the ranks, and then ultimately, ultimately why you decided to you know go on on your own. Obviously, so you can do what you just said. You know, shot yeah, up yeah. yeah, so I mean, in State Farm, obviously you see them on every commercial. You see them on every – they're a great company. You know, they're – one of the best, if not the best, um, they are the largest personal lines. And when I say personal lines, I mean auto and home, auto and home insurance company in the country. You know, so they're huge. Um, so it was a great resume builder, and they do things the right way over there. So I got nothing but respect for the State Farm people. But um, you know, for me, they stay in their lane. They're auto home, and I I like commercial policies. I like business insurance. Um, for me, it just kind of made sense. I still will do some auto and home if people request it or if people want it. Um, you know, but I'd have to, I'd have to write, you know, for every one business policy I do, um, I'd have to find 25 households to match that as far as revenue that brings in the door for me. So as far as just, you know, my relationships with the golf club, um, or a lot of the entrepreneurs, business owners I know. It was tough having them say, great, yeah, I'd love to work with you. You can write all my insurance. And me saying, actually, I can't. You know, that, we don't do business insurance. You know, or it's, that's not eligible with us. We're just an auto home company. That, that just didn't sit, sit right with me because I want to help everyone out, you know. So, and get paid. Yeah, yeah I mean, there. you want to get paid and you want to help people out. And so it's nice to be able to say, I don't care what you do. I can write your car, your home, your boat, your fish house. 
your you know business your, i can write absolutely anything it's nice to be able to walk in and know that you can find them the best rate the best coverage and work with absolutely anyone it's just kind of a it's a confident feeling honestly being able to say hey i'm not going to try to fit you into my box i'm going to figure out what you do and go find the best group for that you know 100 percent. but now being that entrepreneur which you, you pretty much are now you know, getting away from the the steady job. I mean, it was you got salary at State Farm, right? Uh, yeah. Commission. Yep. yep. But now you're all on your own. I mean, yep. Was that kind of scary, or do you know you had um, a good network and people that would come over and and, and fold the boat for you? Yeah, I mean, I think uh, you know before I before I went off on my own, you know, I banked a lot of money because I knew my first year or two, I you know, I'd have a lot of business expenses and I probably wouldn't make a whole lot. Um, so yeah, it's definitely scary going from getting a paycheck every two weeks to, you know, I don't know, I'm about three, four months into it, and I haven't taken a paycheck yet. So I mean, uh, <laughs> I don't know how I don't know how long that will go, but uh, no more nice know, suits, and yeah, yeah, sport jackets. And, and, no, those are write-offs. No, no. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, it's it's definitely different, but it's it'll be worth it. You know, I'm not working to build up some. I'm not working to build up corporate's book anymore. I'm to build up my own so it's a lot easier to to go out there and get get things done but at 23 i mean it's pretty early you know i mean for most people yeah, i became a 40 year old man at 17 years old and that's something so. yeah we're gonna we're gonna get into too but um yeah. all my friends it's funny because the building i live in i got a condo in minneapolis and the whole literally the whole building you know you see all the young people now living at like all these you know places they're cookie cutter you know all this yeah. whatever downtown style living and I live at this place, and it's it's a great place, but the average age in my building is probably 60 years old. So all my buddies will come over and joke that I live in a retirement home. <laughs> but I freaking love it. You know, it's quiet. You know, I, don't, I, I got no distractions. I can just, you know, come home, and it's like my little haven because it's nonstop chatting all day with everyone. So when it's 6 a.m. to 7 p.m., all you do is talk. It's nice to come home and just get away, have, have your space. Sanctuary. So, yeah, I'm an old man at, at heart, man. So, uh, Joey, those, what was the last three, four years that you've been in insurance, what were the, the big lessons that you, you learned and, and how you got to where you are currently at on your own? Uh, big lessons I learned. Um, you know, at the end of the day, no matter, I would just say as, you know, you could be the smartest dude in the world. Uh, what's that? What's that uh, quote? I'm a basketball guy, like Kevin Durant, and he said, uh, "Hard work beats talent when talent fails to work hard." Oh yeah, that's probably. I mean, that sits with me. That resonates a lot just with the last four years. I mean, you think about. I've seen so many people that are wicked talented. They, you could sit down with them, and they're the smartest. You know, guys that. I mean, they know absolutely everything. They could talk the crap out of insurance they could read your policy backwards i mean they would just knock your socks off but they're lazy you know and even if they're not lazy my definition of lazy is working 40 hours a week frankly i mean people who talk about full-time jobs whatever i mean if you're actually working nine to five that's pathetic <laughs> talk and, to europe about that <laughs> yeah i mean well i mean i should say it's pathetic but like if you're it's not pathetic if you're trying to build yeah, your business yeah, if, you if you're to trying to start your business and you're working nine to five I doubt that that's going to get off the ground. I could be wrong, but like that's, it's tough. So, I mean, you just got to be willing to work, you know? So the biggest thing that I'd, I'd say is all I, 
did. I mean, I just was focused. I would just work. I'd get in. I was the first one in the office. I was the last one out every day. It's consistency. It's not, hey, this guy's going to go hard for 60 days, then he's going to burn out. That's what yeah. everyone does. They go burn. hard for 60 days, burn out. Six months, burn out. One year, burn out. But after it's the first day in the job, they're like, oh, it's a you know, nice impression. He's the first one in, last one out. Great. First week, still doing it. First month, he's still doing it. Six months, he's still doing it. A year later, he's still doing it. They're like, holy shit. He's a real deal. You know, they're like, this. It's, it's just about consistency. So that's, you know, and at the end of the day, I'm not, <laughs> by no means am I perfect. And I got a lot of work to do just, you know, everything else. But I, the one thing I can control, there's so many things you can't control. There's so many outside factors that you can't control about just everything it's life right yeah. but the one thing you can control is how much how, how hard you're willing to work you know that's one thing that i personally could do every single day is just come with the right mindset and 100 how would you not burn out and how was it was any of it you know sometimes people work hard they go to labs but they ain't doing nothing you know what i mean how'd you get that that good you know not uh, working hard but working smart type yeah. attitude i mean you want the real answer you want the uh you want the politically correct answer as long as it won't get you in trouble, you can say whatever you want. Yeah, well, I mean, everyone's got their own, their own things that work for them and their own beliefs and whatnot. But for me, oh I mean, yeah, religion—that's your religion. yeah. I mean, for me, it's my faith. You know, my uh, daily mass. Um, you know, I, I didn't start that uh, at first, but recently it's been something I've been trying to add to my. You know, I, I just think a good morning ritual, whether it's prayer. Um, you know, I know you've done like meditation stuff, yeah. you know, whatever it is, whatever your thing is. But uh, for me, you know, to kind of keep me rooted, grounded, um, you know, faith. I thought you were about to say like Coke or some Adderall. <laughs> I was like, I'm the, don't say oh, that. No, 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 <laughs> no, 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 faith though. That's Clean great. Here. You get, um, like I was telling you beforehand, you know, seeing all the cathedrals and churches overseas, uh, there's a spirit in there, man. When you go in there, you feel, yeah. you know, different and that gives you energy. It starts you off right, your mindset yeah. in the morning and. And you just go, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, I get my, what's great is that, see, church on Sundays is an hour long. And, you know, I'm like anyone else. You know, you can, it can get a little boring when it's just, oh, you're like, oh, God. Like, it's good know. music, though. It, yeah, 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 good music. So, like, I, hey, I'm, I'm with you guys. But the, the nice thing about the daily church, the daily mass is it's 7 a.m. Um, and it's 20 minutes. So you're in and out, and it's oh. just the most energizing thing. I mean, you get in and out for 20 minutes, you get your prayers in, you get your blessing, and you roll out of there, and you feel like, you know, it's like Balboa before he goes into his uh, his big boxing match, and he stops off at the priest's house to get the blessing yeah. right before his fight. I mean, just the energy and, you know, pat, it's, it's great. So for it's me, good. for me, that's worked. No, I love that. That's awesome. Um, And also, now we're going to get, let's go uh, transition into your story, because, uh, you just brought up, you know, life. You can't um, control external factors, and obviously, you became really religious. You always kind of been religious, but you know, let's kind of move into, you know, life hasn't been all rosies and dandelions for you. you know what I mean? And <laughs> and you want to kind of start. I mean, you had a kid in high school. I know that. Sorry, I was taking a drink. Uh, yes, I did have a kid in high school. You want me to just dive right into? Let's that dive right into it. <laughs> all right. Rooney style, baby. Dive right in. Can I borrow your phone to call my dad? Dive right in, baby. Um, no cutes games with me. Straight to the point. What's your thing? No games. No games. Strict no game policy. Yeah. That was high school. Yeah. That was big dogs got to eat. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. From the beginning, you just want the whole thing. Let's do it. How much time we got? 
Yeah, so I guess the, the story would be I was absolutely head over heels madly in love with this girl. Her name was Maddie. Uh, she was dating this dude at the time, um, but I knew her for probably two years, and she was dating this guy the whole time. Uh, you know, Who's so a she, listener. What? He's a listener. Uh, I know the guy. Yeah, he's a, he's a nice dude. Great dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he, he and I have mended things since then, and every time I see him, he's an awesome guy. So if he's listening, you know, love that dude to death. Good. In a different way, but, you know. Um, anyways, but he, uh, you know, they were dating for a while and I always really liked her. Um, but we were just friends and, um, you know, I, I was very patient about trying to kind of do anything with her. But one night, um, you know, after they had broken up, this was maybe a couple months later or something like that. Um, we were young and stupid and we were drinking, um, to be candid. Uh, we were drinking and did something stupid, um, and, uh, <laughs> one and done. We had, we had sex one time she got pregnant, um, which was a tough pill for me to swallow, like it would be for anyone, but especially just given the circumstances, you know, I waited a long time just to even, you know, kiss the girl, Yeah. you know, and then the first time we ever do anything, you know, it was kind of a you know, as a religious guy or whatever, it was kind of a, a why God, you know, why the heck would you do this to me type of thing. Yeah. It's easy to fall into that mindset because I'd have buddies who were seven days a week talking about how much sex they have with their girlfriends. No condoms. And there's yeah. no, yeah, there's no talk about this or that. And it's like, why, why does this happen to me after waiting two and a half years? I do it one time and this happens. It just kind of seemed really unlucky. Yeah. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I, her boyfriend, uh, or her ex-boyfriend at that time, but the guy she dated for a while, I actually think that a lot of my success now, and that's why I love that dude to death, uh, has to do with a comment he made to me um, the day he found out, or maybe you know a couple days after he found out. The whole school kind of started talking about it. My, my buddy found out, and he told his girlfriend. His girlfriend, of course, told everyone. Um, and the whole world got out, uh, the word got out and I didn't really care. It wasn't about, you know, I didn't care that people knew, but I felt really bad for Maddie, you know, because I didn't want people to know because it's embarrassing, you know, for Maddie. I could, I know that I'm fine. I'll stand around two feet, but you got a, you know, poor 17 year old girl going through this thing who's actually carrying the baby. You know, it's, it's, you know, it's embarrassing, mm -hmm. frankly, it's, it doesn't feel good. You know, it doesn't feel good when everyone, the whole world's staring at you. It's, it's not a great feeling. So, um, anyways, they find out, and uh, and I actually was in Spanish class with her ex-boyfriend, um, and they were pretty fresh off their little love affair or whatever. So, uh, <laughs> I remember I was like, I knew that I was going to see him on Monday. This is like Friday that everyone finds out, and I knew I was going to see him on Monday, and he's... First of all, I'm this little pipsqueak dude, you know, I'm whatever, 150 pounds at the time, absolutely soaking wet. This guy is a beast of a, you know, I don't know, middle linebacker or something, you know, he's, he's a, he's a stud football guy, whatever. So he's just freaking towers over me. <laughs> and so I'm shitting my pants, of course. Um, but I walk into Spanish class on that Monday and he just, he just goes, Rosenstiel, 
Can I talk to you outside for a second? <laughs> and the whole <laughs> class like knew what the conversation was about because they knew it, whatever. And I'm like, oh, God, you know, whatever. So he pulls me out into the hallway. And, you know, obviously it was a tough conversation to have. But the one thing that I'll always love him for is he just said, uh, and I don't know if he remembers this or not, but he said, word for word, because I'll never forget it, he said, I just think you're a piece of shit, and you'll be a piece of shit for the rest of your life. Damn. That's and, motivating. Yeah, so that, it was honestly, it was pretty cool because I knew that it was just a good opportunity to, to kind of say, you know, I think differently. And so the way I live my life is for people like that who said those things after that, you know, happened. Um, because at the end of the day, it's a, that was a tough, that was a tough deal, man. It was heavy kids at a young age, especially in America is a, it's you know looked down upon type thing like oh you're kind yeah. of a loser you guys get yeah, away sure. and all that and but uh, I mean you forgive him for saying that you know obviously motivated you oh I whenever I see that guy I I, I think he's an awesome dude I That's really good. I you know I don't it's kind of weird to say that we were close but whenever I see him we're very cordial and I think he's a great guy you know? That's good That's good So having a kid at a young age I mean how and then you, you didn't keep the kid correct. No, yeah, so um, we ended up uh, giving her up for adoption. It's a super open adoption. Actually, she was just over at my condo swimming last week. Um, I see her all, I, you know, I see her a little bit. Um, but, yeah, we interviewed a bunch of different couples. Um, we found a little Christian uh, adoption agency called New Life. Um, so New Life Adoption Agency, and they're freaking awesome. Um, we had a, a bunch of different couples come in and essentially, you know, kind of gave us their pitch on why we should give up uh, – Elise, our daughter, uh, to them, and uh, we found a couple that we really liked, Jerry and Jamie. They were in their 30s. They medically couldn't have kids, and they were uh, the youth leaders at their local church. Just really, really cool, down-to-earth people, and you could tell that they would do absolutely anything to have a kid, um, and so you're supposed to wait like a week after you meet a couple. You're supposed to kind of wait a week to, to think about it, think things are whatever, and the second they left... Maddie and I just turned and looked at each other and we're like, that's them. So I flagged them down and said, hey, you know, she's yours. And they both started crying and they said, this is the best thing that anyone's ever said to me. And uh, we see them, you know, they send pictures every two, three weeks. Um, I could see her every week if I wanted to. But right now she's so young and she's so attached to her parents as she should be. You know, it's just kind of still a little weird, you know, when I when I see her. So... Yeah, she, uh, yeah, I'm excited for her to be older, you know, 16 years old or something where I can shoot her a text and say, have a great day. Yeah. You know, versus now it's kind of weird, but she does know, she does know the whole story. They tell her it's very open that she knows everything and she's only five years old. That's good, man. Good for you. Good. I'm happy. Um, through that whole experience, um, you're obviously religious too. Uh, you know, what'd you learn from it? And then do you think uh, that was supposed to happen, and, and why do you think God, you know, did that for you? Um, you know, I, I think I was kind of telling you before we started chatting that, you know, we don't really know why things work out the way they do until they play our lives backwards. Right? It doesn't make sense that so you play the life backwards, but so I still think it's the jury's still out on what exactly that was about. But I do know, I mean. Even just since that day, 
the amount of guys I've had reach out to me and say, hey, I read your story online, or hey, I did this, hey, I did that. I'm scared. You know, how do I tell my parents? You know, what do I do? Um, I don't believe in abortion, um, but this is too big for me. You know, yeah. I'm going to have to do this because, you know, I, I need to get an abortion because it's, my parents won't, you know. So just being able to help mentor and talk to, you know, guys going through the same thing. You know, I, I know that Maddie had a lot of girls reach out to her and say, hey, you know, I'm pregnant. What do I do? You know, so I think, you know, we've just in our own little, whether it's reading our story online or maybe it's just reaching out to us directly. I think we've been able to save a lot of lives, you know, a lot of babies um, who might not be in the world. Right. Um, I went to a, a, a banquet dinner three weeks ago for new life, the adoption agency, and they had a guest speaker and he was just telling, it was a really powerful story. He essentially, um, you know, he, he never knew his mom. He found out when he was six that he was adopted because he was dark and his whole family was white. <laughs> you know, so, so naturally, you know, he found out that he wasn't, he wasn't part of their family. And to make the long story short, he lived his whole life with a lot of bitterness because his mom gave him up and he didn't know what, you know. So naturally you feel wounded, you feel abandoned. Worthless. You, yeah. you feel like, you know, why didn't she want me type of thing, right? Um, well, he finds out, uh, that his mom, he finds his real mom. Um, she's in a mental, in mental institution. Uh, she's been mentally handicapped since she was 13. And one night she was walking back to the institution from, a uh, you know, she was out, but she was walking back to her institution. Um, and she got raped by five guys. She got raped by five guys and got pregnant. And she was handicapped, but she still knew enough to know that she didn't want to kill her baby. So she found out she was pregnant, and she fleed. Uh, you know, she left the institution, um, lived on the streets, essentially, delivered this baby, found a family that would take the baby, and then they checked her back into the, the institution. But, you know, it's just crazy. He found her, and uh, now he's a, a famous author. Um, he's an awesome – he's a great, great dude. Has uh, an incredible story. But you just see – this guy's impact on the world is absolutely absurd, just the amount of lives he's changing and what he's doing. And so, you know, you just see the power that one life, whether it's a, a rape victim, whatever, you see the power that one life does, right? I mean, the amount of lives this guy's impacting is absurd. And that all stemmed from his mentally handicapped mom getting raped by five guys leading to his life, you know? Yeah. So it's a pretty, I just think that, you know, stuff like that, you know, Obviously, what Maddie and I did, you know, it, it was not on, per, you know, it was by accident. You know, all you can do is kind of lick your wounds and try to make the next best decision. You know, when you make a stupid choice, always just try to do the next best thing. Yeah. Wow. Well, yeah. Because everyone's going to make stupid mistakes. It's just, you don't want to compound those mistakes. You know, you don't want to make one bad mistake, which leads to another, which leads to another. If you, if you screw up. Just try to do the next best thing. Yeah. You know? So in that case, we screwed up, but the next best thing we could do is save a life. You know. Yeah. No, that's deep. Um, so that's the big the piece that you learn about that whole experience is that hey, you just don't compound <coughs> them, and you know, and good things can happen, and that's kind of the big piece that you learn from it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's just uh, you have some pretty deep, um, dark thoughts in moments like that. You know. So I. I kind of experienced rock bottom senior year of high school, which is most people, I feel like, I don't know, I feel like most people senior year is like the greatest thing ever. 
you know, so everyone's having fun and whatever. And I mean, those those times were dark. Yeah, it was a tough. It so was a tough time. You had a kid, yeah. and then during this time, your father goes to prison. This is your <clears throat> senior year in, in high school. Yeah. So <laughs> you weren't joking when you said that you were about forty by the time you got out of high school. So now let's 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 speak on that. That yeah. the, your father going to prison. Yeah, yeah. So um, you know, my dad is. Uh, first of all, I'll just say my dad's my hero. You know, I love that dude more than I love myself. I'd take a bus for that guy any day of the week. Um, you know, he he owned a, uh, a real estate company, um, you know, and and some of the guys working at his company uh, weren't really doing the right thing. And he, you know, keep the long story short, he got caught up in it. And, uh, yeah, he's been up in, up in prison for about three and a half years now. Um, he's returning home soon. but uh, Two weeks? Yeah, yeah, he's he's home soon. Before so. Christmas, baby. Thanksgiving. He's back the day before Thanksgiving. He'll be sitting at our dining room table for some turkey. So you know, um, yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, that's uh, frankly that kind of seemed like peanuts to go through after everything with our daughter. Um, but yeah, that wasn't easy. You know, my mom is, you know, and I don't want to have a big sob story here, but you know, my mom never worked a day in her life. You know, we didn't have any money left. Uh, because he had a, a long, long, long nine-year legal battle, you know, that hundreds and hundreds of thousands of dollars on lawyers. Um, you know, so we had no money left. Uh, you know, my little brother was four. My little sister was in third grade, fourth grade. Um, so two little kids at home. Uh, you know, so, yeah, for four years, I, you know, you helped contribute for bills and, and emotional support and everything else. But, um, but you know, again, going back to the faith thing, their faith is so strong. Um, you know, my mom and dad, you know, their their marriage is stronger than ever in their relationships. And so that's been powerful for me to see that too because a lot of people can't make it through that. You know, a lot of people, would, especially with two little kids, it's so stressful. Um, you know, but to see that, it kind of shows you that like, you know, at least for us, you know, with, with our faith, you can, you can walk through walls, walk walk on water, walk through, you know, whatever. But, but yeah. It's yeah. powerful. Um, this let's go through that episode though. I mean, now you're the man of the house. You just had a kid. Um, you said it was a really dark time senior year. How'd you, you know, obviously religion, but how'd you get through it? And how'd you be strong? How, how can you just say fuck it and quit and start doing drugs or something crazy? <laughs> you know what I mean, yeah. I mean, uh, I don't know. Honestly, you know, I think. Uh, I think I think I've I've just been blessed because I really think that I made the right choice with uh, with our daughter, and so I think from that moment on, God said, you know, hey, I wanted you to go through this to kind of to test you out, um, and you made the right choice, and so I'm gonna I'm gonna bless you, and so I I really think that's that's kind of what's happening now. We're kind of seeing the fruits of some of those things, the right decision that we made. Um, you know, and that's, I don't know, yeah, I, I don't know if that's the greatest answer. No, 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 I, um, church played a huge role, right? Is yeah, and, and frankly, you know, there's been a, like, there was a two-year stretch in there, too, where I wasn't religious at all, man. I mean, I was so pissed off. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and, and so, like, I'm not, this isn't some goody two-shoe thing. I mean, I was fucking pissed, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to, to be frank, you know, I, I don't think anyone would have been happy in that situation. So, um, you know, I, it was, there was dark times for sure. I was just like anyone else, you know, partying and, 
and doing, you know, doing my thing. But, uh, but yeah, it, something always, you know, something always would lead me back to the faith. There's a feeling that I would get, you know, when I'd walk out of a, you know, of a church or something, something that was just really peaceful and powerful. And it always just kind of led me back, led me back there. Um, I'm just, it's crazy going through all that crap. How'd you stay focused? I mean, how'd you keep, did you just go step by step and just, you know, look at the big picture, you know, during this process? Honestly, I think, and that's why I think that I was so rattled when that happened with, you know, when Maddie got pregnant. My whole life, I, you know, I was probably like you or whatever, but my whole life I was a winner. My whole life I played every sport growing up, you know, soccer, football, basketball, baseball, you know, it didn't matter what the sport was or what it was. I was always, I was the, you know, I was the class clown at St. John's, which is, you know, a small school, but, you know, I was a class clown and, and, uh, you know, led the basketball team, you know, started on the, started, you know, football, whatever it was, right? All the sports, all the, you know, golfer, whatever it was, I was always quote unquote the man, right? And so when I got to that point, you know, it was like just nothing I'd ever experienced before because yeah. you're so used to, you just have a mindset of like, I'm a winner. Yeah. You wake up every day, you're like, man, I'm a winner. And, and there's, <laughs> there's just a confidence like about you. And I had that confidence my whole life. And that, when that happened, I was like, I'm a loser. Yeah. You know, and that was like the first time I'd ever experienced like, you know, dang, I'm not as good as I think I am type of, you know, just like a, you lose your confidence and it's just, it rattled me. Like it so it rattled the shit out of me, um, you know. So I think just after I got through that and seeing like how not a lot of people can do that totally, and especially like how how great it worked out, I think it's badass. Oh yeah, you know. So like, <laughs> got scars. And, and so made now it like now look at so after like that one to two year stretch, I was like, all right, I'm looking at it the wrong way. I'm looking at it like, man what was me i can't believe this happened to me and i should be looking at it like holy shit look what we just did yeah. like this is badass like you gotta got that kind of swag back of like i'm a winner you know which i was like it knocked me down but i can get right yeah. back up type yeah deal. it's some balboa you know it's not about how hard you hit it's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward you know so it's like i was i was taking the wrong approach for a couple of years there until i realized like man this is this is pretty powerful stuff what we were able to do and I got to give, you know, Maddie and I, frankly, you know, we we didn't have a good relationship, too, for, you know, a few years there. Um, and it's still a work in progress, but I always, I'll always say, I mean, I love that girl to death, you know, not in the same way anymore, but, um, but just, I mean, for how strong she was to go through all that stuff, yeah. I mean, you got to give kudos to that girl, a 17-year-old girl who was the same thing, you know, she was a pretty nice catch back in the day and so for her she was popular she was you know whatever for her to make that decision you know and save elise's life yeah. uh, was pretty cool especially i mean in the school we went to it wasn't like people were having babies left <clears throat> no. and right i mean it's very yeah, nice gonna, school yeah and i'm gonna keep people's names you know off of this podcast yeah. but you'd be shocked at how many people that you and i both know who you know in our friend group in the popular friend group whatever who got people pregnant and who got abortions Oh, yeah. We just never, ever, 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 ever know about it. But you'd be shocked at how many people have reached out to me, you know, or Maddie or whatever it is, and talked about it and how hard it's been and how hurtful and wounded they are. Um, it's crazy. It's we what we did 
frankly, a lot of people are doing. I mean, sex, whatever it is. I mean, a lot of people, right? It's just that because we made the choice that we did, we accepted the fact that everyone will know about it. You know, we're putting ourselves out in the spotlight, whereas they don't, all the people, so many of the people who were talking crap about the whole thing, they have no idea that their son and daughter yeah. had the same thing happen to them, but they just took the easy way out and disposed of it. Yeah. They have no idea, right? So it's like, just kind of, it's kind of, it's cool, frankly, knowing that we made the right choice and it sucked at the time. It was the hard, it was the road less traveled, but I mean, I, it was the best decision we've ever made. Yeah. No, it's powerful. That's deep stuff. Let's get into some happy stuff. I know you wanted to speak on it, the church, and I'll let you take the mic and you know, what Jesus or, you know, what are you, Catholic or Catholic, yeah. you're Catholic, what that kind of hit on it, but what that religion kind of means to you and it's gotten you through a lot of things and, you know, speak all about it. Yeah. Um, I'm, uh, I think for me, I grew up, you know, I grew up with faith cause my parents were pretty good influences. You know, we, we do the whole thing where you go to church every Sunday and you do this, you do that, you know, and none of that stuff really matters until you have your own personal relationship with God. Um, you know, so for me, yeah, I grew up with it, but I didn't really know or find God until after Elise was born. Um, that was the first time I really had a relationship with him. You know, when I was growing up, you know, you do all the right things. You do all this, the stuff that people really, you know, see. They see you at church. They see you whatever. But that's not where you find, you know, your faith. You don't see it on Sunday. You know, you know, if you go to church on Sundays, that doesn't make you some whatever. That doesn't mean you have a relationship with God. You just go sit somewhere for an hour every Sunday. You know, it's about what you do. It's like in the Bible they talk about, you know, blessed is the guy who, Again, I'm, I'm paraphrasing because the Bible is a little confusing sometimes to read. But essentially he says, you know, blessed is the guy who who closes the door, you know, and goes in the corner and closes the door away from the party and prays. Oh, yeah. You know, blessed is that guy, not the guy who's going to kneel down in front of everybody and do the, you know, the sign of the cross and act like he's some fucking, you know, religious, whatever. Like, blessed is the guy who's going to go have that relationship with him, you know, away from everyone else. You know, people only need to know about it obviously if someone wants to talk to me about it whatever great but i'm not out there you know trying yeah to look at me i'm trying so to convert weird. everyone and trying to be some guy who says i'm religious that's not what it's about you know it's just about you asked me what yeah no, i want you asked me so i'm talking about it now but you know typically i'm not the guy who's out there trying to you know well that's character character is what you do when no one's watching and i mean it's the same thing with religion you know what your real relationship with you know christ or jesus and whatever anyone worships behind closed doors, you know I mean? That's, you know, out there in the front row screaming as loud as you can, you know, but some of those people are, yeah. you know, it's his or her own. Yeah. But some only of those you know. people out on, the, out on the streets with the big signs that you see like in Vegas or something like, you need to find Jesus or we're going to burn in flames yeah. in Paris. It's like, all right, you know, that's, I guess the best their style great, but like, man, that's. It's the big thing too. Like a lot of people be bashing religion and all that because they see. <clears throat> Some of these people that are out there like that, and then they're the worst behind the yeah. doors. You know, the priest doing the you know the yeah, bad yeah, stuff. But yeah, yeah. the message and the lessons from yeah. you know the religion is so powerful and so good. You, yeah. you, people get uh, the message and the people mix because people corrupt yeah. things. Yeah. You know what I mean? Exactly. If you actually go back and read the, the teachings, I mean, Jesus was essentially he was kind of the first guy to to you know to give salvation to sinners, like people like me, you know, who make mistakes or, or whatever. I mean, that was kind of what was so crazy about 
the the New Testament. I mean that those readings. You know, it's he's having dinner with you know uh, the tax collectors who were like the most hated people in the community. He was having you know Mary Magdalene was a prostitute. Yeah, Mary Magdalene was a prost- prostitute who became one of the greatest. You know, uh, Saint Paul. Everyone's heard of Saint Paul. He was one of the biggest badasses to ever live. Saint Paul murdered Christians for a living before he found Christ. His name was Saul before he was converted to Paul, but Saul, right, he murdered Christians because he hated Jesus. He just hated him. And he became he became one of the best, you know, the best the most powerful, influential, you know, Christians of ever. Right? So I mean you the whole story of Jesus is pretty cool because it's this, you know, he's not you don't have to be perfect. And that's what his message is. You're not, you know, you're not, you don't have to be perfect. You don't have to live some perfect life. I mean, the, some of the most powerful saints and people of all time were the biggest sinners of, you could, you know, debatably of all time, right? So that's kind of the cool thing, you know, that people, are, oh, you know, it's, I'm not that religious. He's too religious for me. He's what, and it's like, no, I mean, we're all, Jesus is, is out looking for, for the sinner. He's not looking for the perfect, you know, anything so it's it's a pretty cool you know and the reason i chose to be catholic you know versus there's a lot of denominations and i'm not one of those people who are like you got to be catholic or you got to be protestant or you got to be whatever trust me you know if you're a christian in my opinion it doesn't i don't really care if you're catholic lutheran whatever i mean if you believe that god is god and christ is christ and he's the city you know fantastic even if you don't you know that's getting into a whole. That's getting into a whole different thing. But um, you know, it's the reason I chose to be Catholic though is just because I like the fact that it was the OG, it was the original, it was the first church, the Roman Catholic Church. I mean, that was the church, and everything that came off of that is because, like you said, people didn't like something about it. You know, what is what's Protestant? Lutheran, no, no, Lutheran's no, but, but think about Protestant. Where, how do you get the name Protestant? The protesters, right? Yeah, yeah. They pro, they didn't like something that they saw in the original Roman Catholic faith, and so they changed it and created the Protestant Church. I don't like that. That's just me. Like, I, you know, you can whatever, but I want to see like the raw shit. That's the OG, and if I don't believe something, that's what the faith is for. That's the definition of faith: is to, you know, you trust that whatever is in there is legitimate. I mean, that's the whole point of faith. Faith isn't, oh, I don't like that. I'm going to do it my way. And so I'm going to go create my own. No, that's not faith. Come on. To his or own, but no, I see your yeah, point for that's sure. My, that's my, that's, yeah, exactly. Well, Joey, um, as we close in this hour-long mark here, through this whole journey, I mean, you're only 23, too, which is crazy. Um, these experiences, these downfalls, these highs, what kind of have you, you know, your main thing you've learned from it and the best advice you could give uh, the listeners? Um, best advice, you know, I'm not, uh, and again, like you said, I'm 23 years old, so I don't really, you've been through more than any people (laughs) go through, you know what I mean? Yeah, but I don't know. I don't think I know. I hope I don't know everything yet because, but, uh, my advice, I guess would be, you know, just, just stay kind of like what you're doing man I mean like just stay true to who you are I mean you've never changed <laughs> and, and I've got a lot of respect for people like you who just do you you don't try to be you know you just, you're never trying to please anyone you're just trying to please 
yourself. You know, I mean, you you do, and I don't mean that in like a selfish way, but like you're you're doing you, you know, and you don't care what people think about it. Um, I just think that's cool because, you know, you read the stats and statistics and everything else about today's day and age of how I just heard something yesterday on the radio that that nine out of ten millennials think they're quote unquote not good enough. Yeah, that's ridiculous. Like, what does that mean? Like, who's where, good enough? Yeah, you know, like, where like, are they getting that from? Like, I'm not good enough. Like, but that's just the mindset now because people are, people are looking at Instagram, people are looking at this and that, and it's causing depression and anxiety because there's these just all this stuff. It's like, man, I mean, people just need to focus on what makes them happy. You know, like what what go find what brings you joy and just go do that. It's really simple. And just don't you know? be an asshole to everyone else. Yeah, I mean, mean, just go find what brings you joy and go do that, whether it's, you know, if it's in business, if it's religion, if it's personal, you know, like just whatever it is. I mean, just go find what makes you happy and go do that. Don't worry about if it makes you $30,000 a year or $10 million a year you know, or, or how many likes you get. Or how many likes or, you know, how good the, the lighting looks or if your boobs are big enough, you know, to compete with, you know, what's their nuts on Instagram. Or <laughs> I mean, like, dude, like, just stop focusing on, on all that stuff and just focus on what makes you happy, you know, because if we start comparing ourselves to other people 24-7, then you're going to get the stats of, yeah, I don't think I'm good enough because I'm not as good as him. It's stupid. Yeah. yeah, we're all special in our own unique way. <laughs> yeah. People, they lose themselves trying to compare themselves to everyone else. Yeah, there's so many people out there. I, my my brother John is a perfect example of this. My brother John is, um, he is what's called a Franciscan, and so he like models his life after St. Francis of Assisi. Okay. Um, he he took an, a vow of poverty, um, you know, so he, he essentially he is out on the streets. He's helping people out, you know, homeless people, whatever it is. He, he does things, he, he'll sit and just pray for people for 8 to 10 hours a day. He'll sit in silence at a church or just he'll find a quiet space and just sit there in deep prayer, praying for people, you know, whatever. I could never do what John does. I could never do that. I, have, like, I just have so much respect for what he does because I could never do that. I'm, I, I like, you know, my fault. I like possession. You know, I like whatever. I, to, be, to take an act of poverty, I could never do that. I'm so impressed by like what he can do, but I, for me, I could never do that. So, but we need people like John who can be out on the streets all day long. You know, people like John need people like me who can help maybe fund certain things like that. And, and people like me need people like John who are willing to go out there and do things like that. So, I mean, we all need each other. It's, it's not like you have to be this way or you have to be that way. I mean, I can do things that John could never do. John can do things that I could never do, and we both need each other. And and that's a good example of just everyone in life. You know, you're supposed to be different. If we were all the same, our world would be screwed, you know? And we're all trying to be the same. That's the problem. We're all yeah. trying to be this person, you know, whether it's just on social media or whatever. But we're all trying to be a certain way, and it's like, nah, just be yourself, man. If we had more people like Nick Rooney who were passionate about what they did, but in a different industry, yeah, quit blowing me up, <laughs> or in a, you know, or in a different space, or you know, whatever. I mean, this place would be freaking. I mean, it'd be Animal House, but it'd be great. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it would but, get crazy. Yeah, 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 but so no, it's cool. Those are great points, man. That's really that's deep. Um, how about uh, how about two quick quotes or books? A quote that you stand by. Some books that you recommend for listeners, whether it be religion, business. Um. Man, he kind of caught me off guard at that one. 
Um, get, they get knocked down, you know, get back up one. It's kind of been your life, huh? Yeah, I mean, yeah, I'm a big Balboa guy, so I, I love my, my Balboa. Um, yeah, what's his, what's his one he says? Uh, yeah, don't worry about yeah, it. No, I can't. Books? You know, you said Rich Dad, Poor Dad series. Rich Dad, Poor Dad, yeah, yeah. Um, how to win friends and influence people. Yeah, classics. Um, um, Resisting Happiness by Matthew Kelly. Okay, never heard of that. Really good book. Is, um, that, is this about people, like, not letting themselves be happy? Because they yeah. always try to focus on some yeah, negative yeah. or, I know, and then are they uh, self-destruct type behavior? Yep. Yeah. Yep. And it's um, it's just about being, like, the best version of yourself. Okay. You know, it's like, I mean, we don't really know what the best version of ourselves is. You know, so it's just about, like, finding that. Like, what is, like, what is Nick Rooney? What's the best version of Nick Rooney? Yeah. I don't know. You know, you know that, but I don't know that. Like, what's the best version of Joe Rosensteel? It's just about how to, like, be, how to consistently be the best version of yourself. You know, so that, that's a really good book. Resisting Happiness? Resisting Happiness. Okay, yeah. we'll put that down. Um, yeah, that's a good one. Um, so, yeah. Love it. Um, so we're, we're building this community. Now, could you offer some, what, help with insurance if someone had to give you a call? I mean, obviously try to get you business, but uh, what if someone's going through the the kid thing, you know, or wants to get into their faith? Would you be open to taking some phone calls or talking with people in the community? 100%. Yeah, I'd love to talk to people. And I just love connecting with people who are hungry and passionate or they're trying to be that way. You know, I, I love doing stuff like that. It's tough to find... Again, I'm going to talk you up again. It's tough to find people like you, um, you know, who are just hungry. They've got a desire, and they they live life with fire in the belly, as I like to say. Um, you know, so it's cool. So anyone trying to be that way, or even if you're not trying to be that way, you just kind of want to chat. I mean, yeah, give me a call, shoot me a text, shoot me an email. I'm old school, email, you know, uh, fax me over a... Uh, no. But <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. awesome. Man, Joey, it was great. You... Uh, You've been through a lot. You got a lot of experience, a lot to learn from, and I appreciate you being so open and honest about this. It's gonna touch, you know, somebody. And uh, you know, I respect you. I think uh, what you've been through is 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 hard, man. But you came out on top. And I'm really when I heard, you know, you met with my father, and when I heard about how well you're doing, and you know, I started messaging you when I was over in Europe. I'm like, we gotta get you on, cause I know you got a story. I know you got a lot of value and wisdom. So I appreciate you coming on, man. And uh, yeah, final words. Uh, no final words. Just uh, praise the Lord, Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't mean to make this a big religious. No, thing. no, you did. It was great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But uh, but no, man. Just keep keep doing you. Keep crushing it. And yeah. Anyone out there listening, don't uh, don't be bashful. Reach out if you need help, advice, or uh, or just want to grab a beer. Let's let's do it up. Appreciate it, Joey. Awesome. Thanks, man.